welcome to D4 Sports, Day Drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, everybody, back to D4 Sports for the second episode of 2024. Again, Dustin, we had some delays, uh, but I, I would have to say this time, you know, to our good listeners, we we appreciate your patience and waiting for this episode to come out. But I would have to say this is probably the best reason to delay a podcast that we could probably ever have. I would I would agree with that. I think it's a it's a delay on a positive note instead of you know something negative going on out there. So uh, it's pretty exciting. But I'll you know I'll let you take that one. Uh, for sure. Yeah, no, and I appreciate it because um, just wanted to announce the newest member of the D4 audience and the D4 family, my granddaughter, Alice Rose Klein, entered this world um, about three and a half weeks uh, early on the 24th of January. Uh, a beautiful little girl, my first grandchild. I'm now, I'm now grandpa. Grandpa. I know that's crazy that's crazy we got to figure that's out what crazy. what they're going to call you well i already they already know what they're going to call me i'm papa don i'm papa don yeah so, but what are they going to really call you yeah well yeah <laughs> oompa epa alpa yeah i'm gonna i've always said i'm gonna squelch that from the beginning so uh but uh anyway yeah so she, my daughter Claire uh, delivered this wonderful uh, bundle of joy, uh, along with Trey, of course. I mean, he was—he's uh, been great uh, the whole time by her side. She was a little early, so she's still hanging out in the uh, in the NICU ward while she, you know, gets everything squared away. But um, you know, basically, just has to keep eating. So, Alice, eat and grow, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll get you home. I am so. So I am actually here in St. Louis uh, at uh, at Claire and Trey's house, and uh, my wife and I flew out again. Uh, you know, kind of had to change some plans. We were planning to come mid February, but uh, here we are enjoying the lovely St. Louis February. I have to say, Dustin, I know you have spent some time here in St. Louis, and of course, being a Cardinals fan, you you know pay some attention. February is unquestionably the worst time to be in St. Louis. And uh, I know it's not quite February yet. We're January 29th here, but uh, we picked, you know, arguably the worst time to come back and visit, at least from a like weather standpoint. Uh, it's just, it's just bleak. Right. Not much positive going on for it, except, you know, Alice being born, but yeah, it's, it's not much better in Lubbock right now. It's been dreary and rainy and muggy and, Surprisingly foggy at times. Foggy. So, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. happen very often, but it does. It has a uh, few days now. Yeah. Well, I guess I got lucky, though, because, you know, there was that nasty cold snap that pretty much all of the United States ended up with a couple weeks back. And uh, we had some pretty cold weather in London, but uh, certainly nothing to the extreme that we've got here. But, uh, Anyway, here I am. I'm in St. Louis, so we are. This is kind of a late night for us. Uh, it's about you know nine nine o'clock in the evening here on the 29th of January as we uh, carved out some time to dive back in. So, Dustin, your late night drinking habits 
Um, are you a sparkling water in the evening or do you tone it down a bit? I typically tone it down a bit. Um, don't want to go too hard, but uh, did did have to to get the sparkling water out for the podcast. So I've got some some hot tea, uh, but also some some sparkling water. Um, you know, I thought about ma- mixing it up and doing like the sleepy time tea to mm, see how that would time. go with the podcast yeah. and and fall yeah. asleep halfway through. Like you know, hopefully none of our listeners do. Um, <laughs> But it's a watermelon honey. Had never had it before. Uh, oh. Just wanted to do something random, which I watermelon did. Watermelon honey tea. Water, uh, see, yeah. I, I, I like fruity herbal tea. I like mm-hmm. kind of berry herbal tea. I'm not sure watermelon would be my thing. And of course, honey is always good in tea, so that's good. But watermelon honey is a curious combo to me. See, I like watermelon. I like watermelon flavors. Uh mm. And, and my sparkling water, which I have, um, (laughs) doubling up of it, it, and I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a pasteque P A S T E Q U E. That's not even, it's a LaCroix. It's a LaCroix (laughs) drink. Can you see that? It's French or something. I don't know. That's not a thing. Pastique. Nah. Yeah. Somebody Google that. But, we'll have but to Google that. The, the, I'm, I'm going to Google that actual, I, I, when we take a break and see what that actually the is. The actual flavor, though, that I didn't realize what it was, watermelon. So oh, I'm oh. doubling up <laughs> doubling up on the watermelon tonight. Nicely done. Wow. On accident. <laughs> yes. Well, I I do not have a watermelon beverage. I um, If you'll notice, though, I will say. So one of the things, when we moved to London... Um, you know, that we didn't take the vast majority. Oh, you look like you're enjoying that, uh, that LaCroix too. Your face. Just oh yeah. Lovely. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll, I'll take, I'll take your word for it. But so, but anyway, uh, you know, we, there's, and there's quite a story behind this. And those of you who know me well have heard the story of our move and some of the adventures of it, but we didn't, uh, we, we got rid of 95% of everything we owned. Um, but a lot of it went to Claire and Trey, um, as well as some other, you know, friends in the area. Um, but, uh, so we came rolling into their house this week and, uh, they have my old bar cart. We had this lovely old, really cool mid-century modern bar cart and, uh, quite a bit of our, our old glassware. And in fact, what I've got right here, I'm drinking out of tonight is my old St. Louis blues cup. Um, uh, it's a Jack Daniels it was one of these gift sets, you know, you can get at the holidays, uh, a little right. uh, bottle of bottle of Jack and a couple of blues cups, but uh, filled with well, not filled, but um, with a, a little bit of uh, uh, Jefferson's Jefferson's Reserve bourbon. So um, bought that one because uh, you know got to see my good friend John Woodard, who is a very loyal D four listener. Thank and, you, John. Uh, thank you, John. And uh, he, uh, we hung out and actually we watched the uh, the championship or the uh, AFC and NFC championship games together yesterday. So that was a lot of fun, but uh, yeah. So here's to you, John Woodard. Uh, a little, uh, little drinky poo, as we like to say. Um, little Jefferson's going down tonight. There you go. And Jefferson's is a good one, and it it's probably been a, a long time since you've uh, had anything out of a St. Louis Blues uh, it has. cup or it has glassware. Indeed. It has indeed, but uh, kind of fun. Yeah, enjoyable. So, uh, all right. So, yeah. So here we are. We're uh, rolling in the end of January, getting things back in the saddle. And again, we do want to 
Thank you, listeners, for your patience. And actually, Dustin, I don't know if you checked the stats, but our our, our kickoff episode for 2024 is our most listened to episode uh, ever. So uh, you all jumped right back in with us, and I can't say thank you enough. And, and Dustin, we got a listener in the Netherlands, so which of course. might be my boss. Uh, I don't know. So I got to be a little careful. You know, we should when we record some of these. But uh, my my boss actually is uh, from the Netherlands. So uh, Vessel, if that was you, I will say thanks. If it wasn't, whoever you are, Dutch D four man or woman, uh, thank you for listening. But that Dustin, that puts us now in four countries around the world: uh, in the United States, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and of course that lone rogue click from Australia, who uh, doesn't seem as though they've returned. But you know. You never know. Well, you know. they may have moved to the Netherlands, so or <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They moved to the Netherlands, and first thing they did was let me catch up with D four. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, anyway, thanks you listeners, and we we appreciate it. We you know continue to spread the word if you will. Give us a like and a share and a, all that on on uh, on social media, or just tell your friends. You know, um, because uh, you know we we enjoy doing this just for the sake of doing it. But obviously, the more people that listen. Uh, the more enjoyable it gets. But uh, so, Dustin, here we are. Um, still have, you know, it's only been, we've only done one of these in the last six weeks. So lots of opening shots, I'm sure, just loitering out there. So uh, I'll give you first first stab here at the, uh, at the shot tonight. Well, first one, I'm going to go NBA. And I'm sure you've got something on this with all the notes that you've taken over the past six weeks. But uh, this actually stems from the past two weeks. Okay. Um, we are going to take a look at our uh, famous Detroit Pistons. Oh, who, man. They're making who, me mad. That's all I have to say, but go ahead. I'll let you go. It, yeah. Right? Exactly. So over the past 13 days, they have doubled yeah. their win total. Doubled yeah. it. Yeah. So now they've won six games, yeah. right? And have just kind of, like you said, uh, been frustrating because uh, yeah. we're, we're really wanting to see this this massive decline and they've actually yeah. trended upwards. And uh, I say that, I mean, they've won three out of seven games, which isn't great, but they've beaten uh-huh. the Wizards. Yeah. They've beaten the Hornets and yeah. surprisingly beat the Thunder. Now yeah, I can see the, the Wizards, the yeah. Wizards and the Hornets I can see. Right. It's the Thunder one that was like a little well, and if surprising. You remember, yeah. When we talked about this last time, it was kind of like, you know, if they really want to avoid, you know, setting the record, they needed to at least split with the Wizards and Hornets. And they did that. Right. But then, yeah. How did they beat the Thunder? I don't. I don't know. That's. Yeah. But, I, you know, yeah, they're going to take all the fun out of it. And now they're just going to be another crappy team. You know, I mean, right. they had a ch- they had a chance to make history, and now they're just going to go down as another just terrible basketball team, and uh, not just like like the all time worst team because then you can hang no. your hat on that, right? Exactly. Like this is this was us, exactly. make and now history. it's like, well, you just weren't good. They're going to have to lose <laughs> out now. They, I mean, they're going to have to, which would be fantastic because that would be. That'd be like what thirty-eight games in a row or something. What are they? Is the, what are they? It would, it would be fantastic. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't see that happening though. But so, what about you? What you? What do you have for for your first? Oh man, I'm going to go way back. This is something I had back in December, and this one I think really kind of captures the heart of of D four sports. And and just for any of you listeners who are you know you know Dustin and I's age, um, 
This is kind of a nice little throwback. So there was a hockey game back in kind of mid-December between uh, the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets. And um, so not not a significant game, really, in any, in any – I mean, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Adam Lowry and Pat Maroon were the two guys who were taking the opening puck, opening face-off. And there had been some kind of back and forth with these guys – John back and forth and some kind of, you know, uh, tension. Well, I'm telling you, the opening puck drop was just fantastic because the referee drops the puck and neither of them even made any attempt to play the puck. They immediately threw their gloves off and just went at it. And they just, they started pounding on each other. And, you know, in classic old hockey fashion, the refs, you know, circled circled around them and stayed and watched and and you know you know uh, hockey fights right the whole goal you grab the jersey with one hand and then you just pound with the other right and so that's pretty much what was happening honestly it wasn't even wasn't even a great fight but my favorite part of the whole thing they drop the puck they drop they drop their gloves they drop their sticks they start punching on each other and and the refs not only let it go the refs actually went over and picked up their gloves and their sticks and handed it to the other players and you know they they, they, they got around there, and eventually, you know, basically, old school NHL, I mean, they would just let it go, right? They would let it go until somebody was bloodied and messy. But basically now it's kind of like they'll let it go until they fall to the ice. And as soon as they, you know, as soon as they get off their feet, they break it up. And that's what they did. But, uh, yeah, it was like, it was like, screw the game, we're fighting. <laughs> it's on. It was, and it was just, it was beautiful. And, uh, and it sounds people, like the referees were, were very prepared and, and wanting oh, yeah. to see this happen. And yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the old, the old, you know, phrase when I was a kid, you know, is, you know, you, you went to a boxing match and a hockey game broke out, right. You know, because that was what you watched hockey for. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're in modern world and all of our delicate sensibilities. We, we try to, you know, not, uh, not emphasize fighting quite so much, but uh, yeah, if if you can find this, it's on YouTube. The Wild and the Jets puck drop December. You'll find it out there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I've I've been sitting on that one for a while, and so I uh, I thought I'd I thought I'd uh, you know drop the puck so to speak, get us kicked off with that one. There you go. There you go. What else you got? Well, I've got several. Um, mm-hmm. I know we've recently talked about you know different segments that we can do or different things that, you know, we could bring to the table. And, and we've talked about one that uh, is a rabbit hole, right? Mm-hmm. And you've kind of got me on this thing of, of rabbit holes. Yep. And I've gone down a few of them. Um, but I, I want to bring up one right now as, a, as an opening shot in regard to tennis. Um, mm-hmm. I was okay. I was sitting with my nephew and we were watching it and he was trying to figure out the scoring and how when you look at the the boxes like what all of those mean and yeah. um, why is it you know love fifteen thirty forty and not one two three four you yeah, know yeah. and I Does I don't have an answer sense? for that yeah. I have yeah, no yeah, answer for that does, really yeah I don't know anybody go ahead yeah and then I tried to and I, and I have several several different avenues to go mm-hmm. down in regard to the tennis aspect because I just started YouTubing things for him. Mm. So, you know, Federer's greatest shots, Nadal's greatest shots, mm-hmm. um, you know, watching old Nadal and how much energy he had and, and he could literally get to everything. And if you tried to, to hit it in certain spots, make him go up to the net, 
back to the, you know, baseline yeah. opposite side, he could get there. You, he basically just made you beat yourself. Right. Uh, Federer, Federer with all the, just the, the crazy spin and where he wanted to hit it. Like he was like Greg Maddox on the tennis court. Like I'm putting it right there and that's where it's going. You know, yep. I know that's where it's going to go. And then I watched uh, some curio stuff to, to show how crazy, <laughs> how crazy Nick Kyrgios was. Yeah. And, and he loved that. Right. Nice. But what, but what I'm really going to bring it down to is um, I, uh, <laughs> I wanted him to, to see, cause I was talking about the scoring. And when you have the four majors, you have what Wimbledon, French open, Australian open, U S open, right? Yeah. Yep. The French open, Australian open and the U S open, like you have to win, like it's first to six or seven. Right. 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 And then if yeah, you get sure. to seven, right. And if you get to seven, then you've got to get to seven points or win by two. Yep. But then I tried to explain Wimbledon to him and I was like, it, <laughs> it really is. You have to win by two at the end of it all. Right. Yeah. And I said, let me show you this match. So I pull up, <laughs> you, you know where I'm going with this? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This is obvious. Right. The, yeah, go ahead. Yep. the, the longest match ever, uh, John Isner and Mahout and, yep. uh, Man, that thing went three days, and we yeah. watched like a twelve-minute segment on it, and that didn't even do it justice. I mean, it was yeah. it it smashed the yeah. the record of all time longest match over eleven hours. Yeah. Um, what was it? Seventy three, seventy one was the I final. Think, I think I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and I tried to explain that to him, like it it's actually not just you know seventy three points to seventy one points. It's yeah it's a whole game being played to four points that creates the one and then you have to do it again. Yeah. And then, and nobody could, you know, if one got broke, the other got broke immediately after. So it it was just crazy to explain that match to somebody that has no clue what tennis is. Yeah. No, well, I mean, that's basically, they played basically what 12 or 13 sets in that final set. I mean, they played three matches in the final set. But although they have Wimbledon has changed the rules since then, of course, because uh, they they basically realized we don't really want that to happen anymore. But uh, and I know that. But trying to explain that and yeah. would that actually happen again? I mean, I really don't think so. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, I did not know this. They were interviewing Isner and mm-hmm. him and Mahout have actually become really good friends. Like they've gone on oh, vacations nice. together. <laughs> the crazy yeah. thing is is that he had to go play a doubles match right after that. Which one? Isner or Mahout? Mahout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after yeah. losing and yeah. getting interviewed, he was like, yeah. hey, I got I to gotta hurry up because I got to go play a doubles match. Well, both of those guys, I mean, both of those guys were basically worthless the whole rest of that year. I mean, it it destroyed their whole season, basically. That one oh, yeah. match did, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Which So, I mean, yeah, I... I just found that interesting to bring bring that up again, just by going down that rabbit hole. Nice, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I I got I got two others here that are uh, kind of related. They're they're uh, I guess they're well, I don't know. They're not really related, but I'll say they are. So one, there's a video that's got around of Marshawn Lynch and Nick Foles playing pickleball. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I clear. I don't think you. I guess you haven't seen this. And, I have not. Uh, and, yeah, and, and I guess you know they went and they they entered like a pickleball tournament and stuff, and they're out there basically getting whooped by seventy year old ladies and stuff, and they're kind of talking about, oh, you know, it's really, 
And I, I just got to say, and this is literally what my notes say, Marshawn Lynch and Nick Foles playing pickleball hurts my heart. <laughs> it's like, you guys are Super Bowl winning NFL players. And you're sitting here and you're extolling the virtues and challenges of pickleball. And uh, I have a lot of feelings about pickleball. <laughs> I've gone back and forth with several people on pickleball. And look, I, nothing, nothing. Actually, my aunt or my cousins play pickleball. Uh, and yeah, they're ladies in their 60s and uh, they're physically fit and they get out and they play. And I'm sure if we got out on a pickleball court, they'd probably beat me. But nonetheless, I uh, I just don't quite get the pickleball thing, and I I just don't I don't know. Seeing former NFL players playing pickleball really really kind of gets me a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that uh, odd odd combination too. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know how they Marshawn Lynch and Nick Foles. That yeah, I don't. I, I don't thought you meant like playing each other, not on the. No, I think they were on the same team. I, I, I don't even remember. I, I mean, it was a short video, and I, I was just like, what are we doing? Um, but but get this. So the past two years, for the older population, the highest risk of sports athletic injuries is pickleball. Pickleball. It has skyrocketed, the the injuries, because it's people that, yes, you, have, you do have those ones that are fit and they can go out and do it, yeah, yeah. but then it's the other ones that, see it and go, Oh, I could do that and go out yeah. there. And then, and then they can't Weekend so. warriors. Yeah. There's a comedian, Chris Barnes, who I follow on Instagram, who's done a lot of, a lot of great pickleball videos and uh, he's worth checking out. He's, he is the pickleball instructor is a uh, quite, quite humorous, but the, we, so the, go ahead. Yep. I was just going to say, yeah, uh, next time we're together, we should do like a D four pickleball, uh, doubles and just try to find some people that can play and just see how know. we do. Yeah, that'd be know. fun. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. The other one was it was on the NFL on the NFL show and it's uh, it's Snoop Dogg, right? Who I also have a lot of questions about, but but there was this segment on the NFL pregame called Play by Playa by Snoop Dogg, where like he is like announcing like the the highlight reels. And I just have to say, it was it was really really funny, but I okay. I I know I'm old, okay, I, and I get it. And I just had a birthday, and I turned a year older. You're I just, a grandpa now. I, you know, I'm a, well, yeah. I got to take naps, you know. <laughs> but at least I can like at least they're justified. But what I want to know is how the hell did Snoop Dogg become mainstream and acceptable on, on, on basic television? I mean, when I was a kid, when I was Snoop Dogg was like the epitome of like the gangster rapper. Right. I mean, he was, he was the edgiest. He was, you know, the, you know, pot smoke. And now, you know, Snoop Dogg's hanging out with Martha Stewart. He's been doing that for 10, 10 years. He's, but he's just on TV. He's hosting family shows. And I'm like, how did Snoop Dogg become a guy, just a, just a normal guy? He's got a cookbook out. <laughs> it's got like hot dogs and mac and cheese in it, I think. <laughs> Probably smoked. I hope it's smoked mac and cheese. That's burning right. mac and cheese. He should call, he should just call all of his, you know, all of his dishes burning, just burning hot dogs. I mean, I don't know. 
Nothing I mean, I, more relaxing. I got nothing really against Snoop Dogg. I just, I, I truly, I don't get it. I don't understand how Snoop Dogg became like mainstream acceptable family fun because he, he was not. He was absolutely not that when he was becoming famous. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's an opening shot for me, though. Play by playa. Snoop Dogg doing his go. thing. D4 doing our thing. All right, D4, welcoming all new members, but especially, of course, Alice. Welcome. I know you will probably never hear this, although maybe, maybe, you know, episode 22. That's Alice's, uh, wait, wait, you just put glasses on. What are you doing? What's with the glasses? You don't wear glasses. Whose are those? It's the, it's the blue light thing. I'm trying to see oh. if it'll help with the, the screen. Oh, all right. Don't turn you off all your right. game. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, everybody. I was just sitting here and I mean, I know we, we don't do the video podcast like we've talked about, but all of a sudden I, just, I look up and Dustin's got glasses on. I'm like, now I'm now. Yeah. I, now what am I going to talk about? I don't even know. We're going to do a sports roundup. Sorry, Alice. Yeah. Al- yeah. I was really, I was, I was, you know, announcing again, my granddaughter and you just decide at that point, man, what were you like in what were you like in middle school in your class? Is that what you did to your teachers? Is that what you did to your teachers? You just all of a sudden said, "Oh, I got glasses now." <laughs> uh possibly, but from what I remember, you were one of my teachers, so I know. I was I just would... thought as, as soon as I said that, I thought, "Wait a minute, there's a story here. Maybe for another time." But uh, another time, another time. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> D4, welcome to all of our all of our listeners again. Thanks for for h- hanging with us. Uh, here we here we go. We're coming into uh, 2024, and uh, we're going to do the sports roundup here. And unfortunately, one of the casualties uh, from a sports perspective of uh, being delayed the last couple of weeks for us was the Australian Open. And um, tennis is something that you know, we've talked about quite a bit. We both really enjoy. Uh, in fact, you just you know talked about it in your opening shot. But so, uh, Dustin, I'm going to give you first crack here um, on your take on the Australian Open. Uh, highlights, lowlights, obviously some surprises. Um, what was your what was your take on the open? Uh, I don't know if I was surprised by you know what was happening getting to the quarters um, yeah. and the semis. I wasn't wasn't real surprised with the semis either. Um, I mean, Medvedev, his first match did go really long <laughs> for him yeah. and almost yeah. lost. Yeah. Um, but getting to where he got in the finals, not surprising. Um, I know we're going to get to real quick. The surprise of it all was Djokovic. Um, yeah. Really just kind of beating himself, to be honest. Uh, Yannick Sinner is, is is a very good player. Could be yeah. an up-and-coming guy. I yeah, don't know. No, he's definitely – he's got the credentials as the up-and-comer right now, right? But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Djokovic just looked flat. Um, yeah. Wasn't hitting the shots that he normally hits. Uh, didn't look crisp. Um, and I think you sent me something and I had talked to Micah about it as well was the fact that there have been so many finals matches that had one of the big three. Um, and this one was what the first in 20 years that one of the big three wasn't in it for the Australian open. Yeah, I think, well, well in it. Yeah, certainly. And didn't win. I mean, the only person other than 
Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, whose run was uh, uh, Vavrinka, right? Okay, uh, yeah. He's the only other guy. He won it in, I don't remember what year, 2008, 2009, something like that. But, Long time um, ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I'm, you know, and boy, you know, we, we talked about a little bit at the end of last year how Alcaraz, ever since, ever since the U.S. Open, he just hasn't been playing very good tennis. I mean, he kind of, he got it together for the, you know, tour championship um, and played some pretty solid matches. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was di- disappointed that he didn't uh, didn't make the final. But, uh, so yeah, what was interesting to me, well, uh, it, uh, we'll talk about the women here in a minute as well, because I think the women's tennis is is, is also very interesting in, in how this went down. But, you know, looking at uh, in the quarterfinals of the men's draw, you had seeds one through six, nine, and 12 were all in mm-hmm. the quarters, right? Right. In the women's draw, you had a qualifier, an unseated, and then two and four. And I was, you know, I was sitting there and I was looking at like, you know, what are the actual chances that this happens, right? And um, unseated winners of Grand Slams, uh, and it's actually happened a few times recently in women's tennis. Sloane Stevens was unseated as well as uh, Yelena Ostapenko. In 2017, uh, and in 2021, Emma Raducanu was a qualifier and actually won uh, the Australian Open. But in the men's game, this hasn't happened since 2004, uh, and that was uh, uh, I'm going to say Gust- Gustavo Gaudio won the French in 2004. Um, Goran Ivanisevic was unseated winning Wimbledon, but Goran had been a top player and had kind of fallen off and kind of had a big resilient year in 2001. And then you go back to Vlander and Becker and Gustavo Querton in the eighties and Andre Agassi in 1994. But again, he was a comeback guy, right? And I, I, I let me ask you this. And I mean, this, this could be a, a big question. You're, you may not be prepared for this, but I'd like to hear your take. Why do you think, in the women's game, there's so much more like uncertainty. And there's, I mean, obviously you had Serena Williams. And if you go back in the 80s and 90s, you had you had Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett. You had Steffi Graf. Uh, and I'm, oh, somebody else. I can't, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting her name. The other lady was, girl was really dominant at the same time. But in the last 20 years, you have, you almost feel like anybody could win in the women's game, right? Monica Sellis. Monica Sellis. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't Thank even Google that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was well done. But I, well, why do you think it is that you have? I mean, it's it's unthinkable that in the men's semifinals you'd have an unseated and a qualifier. I don't know if I am prepared for this. I mean, it is a big question, and being able to answer fully. Uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind, and I could be way off track on this, with the guys nowadays, it's all about power mm-hmm. and how hard I can hit it and being able to place it in those spots with mm-hmm. the power behind it, right? Yeah. The women's, it's a little more finesse. There's a little more... Um, what's the word um parody i guess with each 
I guess, match that you're playing. Yeah. Because in the men's, you can go, oh, well, he has power and he hits a strong forehand. Okay, he's got power and he hits a strong backhand. Uh, in the women's, it could be, well, they play up at the net a whole lot more yeah. than what I'm used to in this match. And then she plays a whole lot further back. She likes drop shots here. I, yeah. It may be, maybe that I could be wrong, yeah. but that was the first thing that came to mind is the men's right now is just power, power, power. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, and you look at certainly that was one of Serena's big weapons, right? Serena's serve was her right. great advantage because she really had the biggest serve in the women's game or certainly of anybody who could control it. Right. Um, which was really key. And so, and as she was, you know, a, a physical presence on the court, you know, and, and hit with more power than most of the women. And, but it, it just doesn't seem like any, it doesn't seem like there's like a group of, of the women who can really separate themselves because of their raw power. Right. Or at least do it consistently for a, a length of time. I think that's part of it. I, I wonder if it's maybe just because it's only two out of three, you know, and, and it's not a three out of five in the Grand Slams. Right. That seems a little simplistic to me um, because obviously, you know, the women have always played two out of three. And so they know how to play two out of three and they know what's at stake in the two out of three, you know, and um, not that the men don't, but, you know, a, taking three sets off Djokovic is a lot of work. Right, taking three sets oh, off of right. off of any of the really top players uh, is is just hard, right? Um, taking a set, okay, even two, right? I mean, two sets isn't impossible. Getting three, you got to have a guy who's going to play. You almost have to say for the top players, at least certainly with the big three, off their game, right? To to get them to get them out that much, but uh, yeah. And could it be like in the men's when it does go to the five? you know, who has more endurance. Um, oh yeah. With, with the women, you know, going two of three and I, and the men do for the majority of the season go two of three. Right. Right. Um, but where it's, you know, in the men's, you could have two and one going into the fourth set where the women's it's already over. And in the men's, it's like, yeah. who's got the endurance now? Okay. Now it's yeah. two, two. We've got one more set. Now I'm really going to take it to you. Yeah. Um, Cause you're playing three maybe, and a half, four hours on a court. That's a, that's a lot of tennis. That's yeah, we're sitting there. We're sitting there yeah. watching this, and yeah. Micah's like, "You, that's a long time to be out there." Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, that may yeah, be it. Was, it. I mean, Sabalenka, I don't think she dropped a set the entire Australian Open. Oh, did she? I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't follow the stats quite that closely. But I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm almost guaranteed that she did not drop yeah. one set the entire time. Well, she's gone back to back too, right? Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, um, you know, men's or women's games. You know, to go back to back is impressive. You also have different women that you know get in the top five, and then yep. it's like a revolving door. Um, yeah, Wozniak was up there for a while. Yeah, um, I, I mean, Serena's been up there a long, long right. time. But yeah, it, yeah. it that revolving door um, is definitely yeah. more than what you've got in the men's, especially with the big three that have been there. Yeah, and I, I really like Iga Swiatek. I'm you know some kind of surprised that she went out in the third round um, as good as she's played. Although she's really she's a much better you know clay court player and uh, and grass. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I'd love to see her emerge and be kind of a, a powerhouse. I, I I enjoy watching her play. I think she's got a great game. Um, 
yeah, surprised, surprised at Djokovic. Uh, wondering, I mean, let's face it. Yeah, obviously Nadal withdrew. We'll see if Nadal can come back for one more run at the French. But if not, I mean, this is it, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Uh, and maybe this was, maybe this was the you know the beginning of the end for Djokovic, right? Because you just you have not seen him in the last five six years not be ready. I mean, that, I mean, he competed, right? It wasn't like he just folded and got blown off the court. But you just haven't seen him do that. And, you know, maybe maybe this is the beginning of the end and we'll, we'll see what happens. And it, we'll see if we end up with, a you know, a period of chaos or if we end up with, you know, Alcaraz and maybe Sinner and Medvedev as the next kind of dominant players for the next next while. But, uh, yeah. I've always thought, and this is interesting too, because in, in obviously in the men's game, statistics don't lie. We just said almost it's been Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, but it's been pretty much that in almost all the Grand Slams. But I've always kind of thought that the Australian Open was kind of the one that was a little more open, right? Uh, it's a more neutral court than like, I mean, it's not, I mean, the French Open is, you know, I mean, it's Roland Garros is its own is its own beast, right? It's its own surface. Wimbledon, the grass season is so short now that, you know, a lot of guys don't even play much on grass. And the U.S. Open is typically so fast, right? I mean, typically it's a very fast court in the U.S. Open. The Australian Open hard court is a slower court. So it's a more neutral court, I think, which I think makes it so that it's more open to more guys. But then again, you know, by the same token, like I said, you know, it's been the big three for 20 years. So Maybe I'm wrong in that, but I don't know. It's always seemed to me like it would be the the one that's maybe the most um, approachable as it's it's not quite as specialized a court, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's mine. Maybe. I guess we'll see. All right. So that's tennis. Uh, what else you got for me in our sports roundup? I got several other things, but. You got, you got? You got some Millwall? Yeah, well, you know, Millwall, they drew again. Um, you know, not a bad match. Um, hanging they in. They came I, out, scored yeah. a goal in the first six minutes. They sure did, and then and not again. didn't do so, anything else. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, they, they won those three in a row, and since then, what, they've had three straight draws, right? Is that what it's been? Yes. So they I mean, you they still get a point for a draw, but that's not going to really put you – up at anything they haven't lost a, they haven't had a loss in like eight games now which you know when you look at it that way is pretty good but after the slow start they had they really they need to win they need to string a couple more wins together and right. uh and we'll see what happens we'll see what happens there yeah. well since you took us to the premier league um i thought i would throw this one out um i'm pretty sure Millwall's I, far from the premier league but i took well, us to soccer so. Okay, you took us to <laughs> I don't know if they're far from the premier. Anyway, uh, there was uh, the FA Cup, which is all of the professional leagues in the UK uh, play against each other. So it's when the only time when you get like you know your sixth division potentially playing against a Premier League team. But we had uh, West Brom versus Wolves um, was suspended in the middle of the match due to fights in the stands because. That's what I'm talking about, right? Because Millwall. Yeah, well, no, they weren't even there. It wasn't Millwall. I know, I know. West Brom and Wolves. People are throwing flares in the stands and out onto the field. Wow. 
Guys taking corner kicks or getting stuff thrown at them from the from the stands. There's all sorts of fights going on. They had to clear the pitch, took everybody off the field for 15, 20 minutes. So uh, that was fun. A little soccer for you there. That's a classic soccer. And, and the other one I had um, uh, on the uh, on the soccer front is that um, it was there was a new record for the latest goal ever scored in a Premier League game. It was uh, Ollie McBurney, Ollie McBurney, uh, latest goal in in Premier League history. You know, and so you know the standard uh, Premier League game is ninety minutes, right? But then they have stoppage time at the end. So how 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 much stoppage time do you think they had in this game? Eight minutes. Oh, that's child's play. Child's play. He scored in ninety plus thirteen. 13. He scored 12 minutes and 47 seconds into stoppage time in the 13th minute of stoppage time, which is more than two that's minutes all. later, <laughs> more than all. two minutes later than, than any other game in history um, in, in terms of a goal in, in the stoppage time. How, I, and I, I was reading about it. I don't remember the details now exactly how they got 13 minutes of stoppage time, but, uh, but there you go. But yeah, latest goal that's ever. Crazy. Ever scored. So there you go. All right. You got something else for me? I do. I'm going to the NBA. Okay. Um, there's another kind of rabbit hole thing. But yep. um, this past week, we had uh, Luca and Joel Embiid both mm-hmm. score 70 plus, right? Mm-hmm. So on January 22nd, Joel Embiid scores 70 against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Not to be, you know, outdone, Lucas says, okay, I got you. And four days later, scores 73 points in a game. Is that good? It, it happens, <laughs> you know, it happens every once in a while. It's only happened 15 times ever in the history of the NBA. So who do you think has done it the most? I mean, it seems like the obvious answer is going to be Wilt Chamberlain, but I'm guessing it's maybe not because otherwise, why would you ask? But no, you are correct. Okay, it is Wilt okay. Chamberlain. Yeah, has but there has never been another person to do it twice. Really? Yeah. So Elgin Baylor did it first in '60, yeah. and then Chamberlain did it one, two, three, four, five, six times in a row. Yeah. Before anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you have uh, David Thompson, David Robinson, Kobe Bryant, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Joel, and Luca. But yeah. here's what I found very interesting. In the six that Wilt Chamberlain had, mm-hmm. do you know what his record was? Well, I know the game he scored 100, they won. <laughs> but I, I don't, one and five? Three and three. Three and three, okay. Okay. <laughs> But but to me, like how if you have somebody on your team that scores seventy, how do you not win? <laughs> like, well, okay, but you said that, but and and the, I get on, that you 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 end up playing the whole game because right. you're needing to be out there to score those points. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but 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 on the night that Embiid scored seventy, Carl Anthony Towns scored sixty two, and they lost. They blew an eighteen point lead to the Timberwolves. Um, 
not to be outdone on the same night. Luca scored 73, Devin Booker scored 62, and they lost. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. This is this is this. Okay, I mean, I just had that as a little, you know, little. That was going to be a shot on one of the next episodes, but yeah, no, this has been turned into a better, a better bit than yeah. How do you score yeah. sixty and lose? How do you, you score? Yeah. How do you score seventy and lose? But I, no, I get I what you're know. saying. I don't know. Yeah, so that Booker had twenty nine in the first quarter, ended up scoring sixty two and <laughs> getting beat. They were up the whole game and then lost it at yeah. the end. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stick with the NBA. Uh, because, and, and I'm sure you know this, but uh, there was a, a pretty substantial rule change this year in the NBA in terms of players and, and kind of having to play, right? Um, because, well, here's, here's some stats. In the 1980s, star players defined uh, in this, there's a big report that was done about like to see, you know, how much are people actually not playing who were they were they were either all star all all NBA selections in that current season or the prior or the prior two missed on average ten point four games a season in the nineteen eighties, in the nineties it was ten point six, uh, in the two thousands it was thirteen point nine, uh, in the twenty tens it was seventeen and a half, and uh, in the in the twenty twenties it was twenty three point nine games missed per season uh, by the star players. That is either all-stars or all-NBA players. So the NBA made this rule. you got to play 80% of the games in order to be eligible for these awards, right? Which, okay, makes sense. So that's so you can miss 16 games a year, right? And still be eligible for all-MVP all, all or all-NBA or whatever. Well, here's what's interesting. Is, you know, the NBA these guys are getting paid stupid amounts of money, right? And we've talked about this we, in our Moneyball episode. We, we talked about some of the impacts of this. But, you know, in the NBA, they've got these so-called Supermax contracts, right? And the Supermax contracts, in order to be eligible for a Supermax contract, you have to be in, like, the top five in, like, the all-NBA teams for your position in order to be eligible for these sorts of things. But now you're facing a situation where with this new rule, if you miss 16 games, you're not even eligible for that. And so I'll give you a specific example. Tyrese Halliburton, right? Having one of the best players in the league this year, arguably going to be, you know, one of the all NBA players, but he's had a couple of significant injuries, right? He's, he's had a ankle injury and now he's got a hamstring injury. He's probably going to miss more than 16 games and he's not going to be eligible to be that. So he will not be eligible for a supermax contract. This literally, this rule could cost him tens of millions of dollars because he won't be eligible for these awards, which, and he's not, he's not the only one. He's, he's the one, the specific one that I remember. There's several players who, you know, because of an honest injury, not just because they're taking games off, are not going to be eligible for these awards, which they otherwise would almost certainly have gotten, or be you know be at least in the running for, um, and it's and it might cost them tens of millions of dollars in their next contract. What do you think of that? I'm not surprised the NBA went that route. Yeah, well, I don't do think something. you can. Well, I don't think you can put the tag on it where it's 
you know, 80% non-injury related, because then you can still find something, you know, not just rest management or something like that. You could say, because I'm sure you can have nicks and bruises, you know, whatever, something minor, um, an elbow flare bursitis. I don't know, but (laughs) it, I mean, it had to come to something like this because of all the, the rest management that was going on. Um, rest management. What a stupid term that even is, isn't it? Mike, get your, get your butt out there and play the game. Oh, you're getting paid millions. And, and, and the thing was, is Kobe, Kobe used to say, I'm, I'm trying to play as many games as I possibly can because that, that dad and son combo that come to a game, it may be the only game they ever come to ever. And they're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get the close yeah. seats to come to that one game. Yeah. Well, you have guys that just decide to sit. So my buddy Sam went to a Mavericks game last year and he didn't get like the most expensive, but he didn't get the cheapest. He he got good yeah. seats sure. to, to yeah. go watch the Mavs play. Right. And Luca sat out, Kyrie Irving sat out. I mean, it like he didn't have he was watching the B team, basically is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I understand all of that. And then the NBA was probably seeing a decline in ticket sales, yeah. not massive amounts, but seeing somewhat of a, a decline because, you know, people would look at that and go, oh, that's the second game of a back to back. They're probably not right. going to play Anthony right. Davis, who misses 40 games a season. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and do that. So. I don't know. And and do the players now play with injury due to the fact they want to make millions and then get hurt even more? I mean, there's two sides to well, the coin in this, yeah, but at the same yeah. time, you've got to be able to, to play the game. And yeah. if you're going to get paid that much, you're not going to just play in the playoffs. Yeah. I so. just, it, it, interesting. The, the, these, you know, so-called law of unintended consequences uh, certainly seems to be biting some, some guys uh, here in the, uh, and the eighty percent rule in the NBA, and I, I mean, again, you when when you're averaging, you know, a fourth of the season that you're not playing with your top players, you got to do something. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, just I, that was just a curious one to me that that I came across that the NBA, you know, decides to take action, which I think everybody agreed something needed to be done, but uh, could really end up now. Supposedly there is you can appeal for an exemption, but I don't think anybody's ever actually gotten one. So uh, we'll see uh, see what happens. But um, all right, any other uh, any other any other uh, bits for the sports roundup? I'm good. All right, I I will just simply drop this out on the international sports front. Uh, we have India versus England in Test cricket uh, is is got underway this week. And the only reason that this is even kind of a big deal is that basically nobody it's in India. And nobody beats India in India at cricket. Like, it literally almost never happens. But England went in and took the first test uh, in, you know, and I, I, I would give you the score, but I have no idea how to actually report cricket scores or how many wickets guys got or what that even kind of means. I mean, I, I'm sort of starting to figure it out. But, but England took the first test out of five. And, uh, you know, this, this, this could be something on the international cricket scene if England rises to the occasion and does that one. And the other thing that's getting started in a couple of weeks is the, uh, the Six Nations 
rugby tournament, uh, which is actually a lot of fun. Um, and of course, the six nations are England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, France, and Italy. Why not? We'll throw those two in anyway. But those are the six nations. But for those of you who want a good introduction to rugby and want to just get a real taste of European sports and UK sports, uh, but don't want to, you know, endure, uh, I mean, enjoy a Premier League game, check out the Six Nations rugby when you can. I'm sure it will be shown uh, over here in the US and those of you in the UK. Maybe we can organize a D4 watch party for some of the uh, Six Nations rugby because it's coming up. But uh, thought I'd give a shout out to our loyal UK listeners and uh, some of the sports that are happening there. Real quick in regard to the India-UK thing, um, if you think about it, playing four games or four matches out of five is still the 80%. So India was probably doing rest management (laughs) for this first game, and then they're going to play the rest of the 80%. Yeah, there you go. You got to rest the bowlers. You know, the, yeah, he's a spinner. That's what they call these guys. I mean, I don't even, I mean, I'm telling you, I read, I read the, the summaries of these, of these tests and I, I can, I can read paragraphs and go, I have no idea what, what this is saying. And I, I had some good friends who've explained cricket to me. So I, I get, I have some understanding of the game, but boy, I don't know any of the jargon. I don't know any of it. I watched 10 minutes of it and I saw a guy hit the ball like almost backwards and started running and it counted and, and I'm going, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know yeah. what scoring's to, to do here. Like yeah. he was 142 for six. You're like, the pitcher's running like a half a mile before throwing the ball <laughs> or whatever he is. The bowler, <laughs> the bowler. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll, one of these days we'll have to find somebody we can get on the show who can give us a good, uh, cricket lesson and uh we'll try to enlighten our american listeners on uh on some cricket but uh yeah india versus england you can follow it on the bbc sport app if you have it and you can read all about it and and if you can make sense of it and 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 you know unless you're a cricketer um you know we'll have you on the show and you can explain what the heck those sports write-ups mean because in the d4 world we're trying we're trying. It just, it's just not clicking. All right. D4 is welcoming Alice to Wonderland. Baby Alice, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We hope that someday you and your parents and all of our family will enjoy this show as much as uh, we're enjoying doing it. Um, before we go much further, and we are going to get into the NFL here because we're getting close to the big game, um, but uh, we'll take a, a little bit of D4 business. There's not a lot going on uh, right now because obviously, you know, our Dustin and I's competition is kind of, I've conceded, uh, you know, in, in, true, in true, you know, sportsman-like fashion. Um, you know, in, in this year's uh, competition, family pick'em ended, uh, at the end of the regular season. So that's over. So we still have, uh, the premier league going, although it's kind of been a slow few weeks cause there's been international play and stuff. So, uh, you know, we're kind of getting still sticking around. I, I've still got a pretty comfortable lead there. And, uh, I, like I say, thank goodness for the NBA. 
Um, I actually split this week. I only went four and four. I was playing uh, the other the, uh, the 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 guy. I don't know his. I can't remember his name. Uh, who, who guy who's in first place in the other conference? Um, Dave. Dave. I'm I'm about ten games up on him still, but uh, and we split four four. So uh, and and Dave is a huge English Premier League guy. Oh, is huge. He? Yeah, right, we should we should have gotten him in our league. I don't think he joined. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we'll get some hard numbers for that next week, and uh, as things kind of kick back up uh, for the second half of the Premier League season, um, I went six and two. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah, I beat nice. Micah. Yeah, is he playing again? So, is he paying any attention? Did he? Set no, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even set one roster either on the night. Luca had 73. I was like, Oh wait, I have Luca on my team about, about the third quarter. And I go and I check my bench and I'm like, Oh, please Luca, please don't be on my bench. And I look and I had Devin Booker as well. So I had the guy that scored 73 and the guy that scored 62 and I had them both playing. So I didn't change oh, no, it good. the rest of the yeah. week. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That would have been bad. I'm still dealing yeah. with some pretty serious injuries. I've, I've, I've got Halliburton is down and Desmond Bain is also down. And so those are, those are hurting me a bit. Cause I don't want to drop either of those two guys. Um, I'm just glad you know who these people are now. I, oh man, look at me. I mean, I am, I'm all over it. I, uh, I set my team, man. And, and I, I keep checking the, you know, the player boards. There's just nobody out there to pick. I mean, it's like, I don't, I mean, there's, and you based half a segment on a Tyrese Halliburton story. So, I, I mean, sure you're really like jumping into this thing. Both feet diving in, diving in hard. So, all right. So Dustin, uh, you know, we, we, last time we talked, it was just after the wild card round. Uh, we did not get a show in after the divisional round. Um, you know, saw some, uh, interesting quarterback play in the divisional round with uh, Jordan Love, um, not looking particularly great. Brock Purdy, who beat Jordan Love, but didn't look great. He didn't look good either. But we'll talk about him because he might have might have gotten it together um, in this last in this last game. Um, right. But it, so championship Sunday, Ravens Chiefs. Give me your take on the game. I, I got a lot of thoughts here, but I'm, I'm going to give you first crack just because I like to, I like to let you uh, open us off. What's your, what's your takeaway on that? First, the first takeaway I have with this is that the chiefs teams that we have watched the past five or six years have been about Mahomes offense, 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 right? Mm-hmm. This team isn't that. They still have Mahomes, they still have Travis Kelsey, and they still have Taylor Swift. But, oh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> but the defense has really stepped up and made some big plays. Uh, you know, it does help when the other team hands it to you sometimes, um, which happened in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar throwing it into triple coverage in the end zone, that wasn't smart. Um mm. Zay Flowers has a great 50-yard catch and then has the taunting foul, which pushes him back 15 yards and then almost makes it to the end zone and fumbles it at the two-yard line. Yeah, Um, But to be fair, that was a phenomenal defensive play. No, I agree fully. But the 15 yards previously, (laughs) there's a lot involved there. 
There was a lot. So, yeah, that was a bad drive for Zay Flowers. <laughs> it really was. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do think it's just been surprising to see the Chiefs defense really step up and be yeah. somebody that – or be a, a portion of the game where the offense doesn't have to go, man, we got to do everything. Yeah. So – yeah, so here's the thing for me, right? And 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 we've been talking about this all season, right? And I mean, I, we go, I'll go back to I, I don't know whatever episode two or three our our you know preseason prediction, and you know my big question was, will these receivers be enough? You know, is is will Patrick Mahomes be able to get them there? And most of the season, the answer has been uh, maybe. Right. I'll go. I'll give you my best Tony Romo. Oh, Jim, I don't know. You know, Um, but in the championship game. Right. Like that. Let me just say, I here's what I think of this. My big takeaway when everything else is said and done after this game, I think we're seeing two quarterbacks cementing their legacy. Right. Because Mahomes. Yeah, true. This wasn't the high flying Chiefs offense. Mahomes was just tremendous in this game. And uh, it's not even necessarily the statistics. It's just when Mahomes came into the league, right, and he started, and his first real great season, he was making all the throws that nobody is ever supposed to make. And he he got away with every single one of them that first year. Every terrible decision that he made somehow worked out. Right. Over the middle, no look, anything. Yeah, ridiculous, right? Late over the middle, time and time again. And and I remember talking to a, you know one of our family friends' kids who was like 13, 14 at the time. And I'm, I'm like, I'm telling you, reversion to the mean. Like, he literally cannot make a career on this, right? And Mahomes doesn't do that anymore, at least not much, right? I mean, he still, you know, when when the play demands it, he'll still throw the ball. But he does not. He's not doing what he did. He has matured so much as a quarterback and has become a, not just an incredible physical talent and thrower of the ball, but a, just a, a tremendous quarterback and leader on the field. And the flip side of that is Lamar Jackson. And I don't want to sound like a broken – yeah, I do want to sound like a broken record because I've said it all year. You beat Lamar Jackson by keeping him in the pocket and making him beat you from the pocket. And once again, he just didn't do it. And he did it spectacularly badly, in fact. I mean, that was bad quarterback play from Lamar. That was that was bad quarterbacking. He was yeah, I mean it was he made so some- bad that he had a 13-yard catch. Well, yeah, no, that was cool. I mean, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I mean, that it's was, cool, but that's not what you want. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, yeah, of course not. But, I mean, the only passes that he made downfield were to guys who were just wide open on blown coverages. Uh, he wasn't throwing anybody open. He wasn't putting things in tight spots. And now he doesn't have great receivers, so they're fair enough. But, my goodness, for, for a guy who's so talented, who is such a tremendous athlete, and puts up tremendous stats and wins so many regular season games. I mean, the tape is there. Lamar is not a pocket passer. I, 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 he's just not. And I don't think you can win. You can't win in the NFL unless you can play from the pocket as a quarterback. 
Well, and at one point in the game, and it may have been the third quarter, the the commentators were like, Lamar has thrown four completions to his wide receivers in this game. And at that point, Zay Flowers had four receptions. Yeah. Right? So he had Likely and Andrews and... Show up at all. Yeah. Right. And then Bateman was there, Aguilar, just nobody, nobody that not, I don't want to say nobody that he could throw to because he yeah. couldn't get it there. But what I do, I'm going to go back to Mahomes real fast. And and what I, I noticed in this game, there was one time he, he rolls out and he's trying to find somebody, can't find anybody, ends up going to the sideline. When he's going to the sideline, receivers are trying to get open. You know, one go deep, one go to the sideline with him. And I think that was the actual play that happened is the mm-hmm. receiver was going to the sideline with him. And it may have been Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But instead of him trying to fit it in a tight window over one defender mm-hmm. and then the other defender coming up on the receiver, he basically just throws it. He didn't throw it out of bounds, but he threw it at the feet of the receiver mm-hmm. to make sure that there was no way that he could get it. And I know we've talked about this with Brady. Like Brady wasn't going to try to get his receivers hurt. Like he knew where the players were going to be and he just threw it in that area as low as possible to make sure that one, they didn't get hit and two, he didn't either. Um, And I think that there, there was a specific play. I remember watching in this game going, that was actually a good throw to throw away yeah, and not try to fit it into something and be this magic man that he is. Yeah. And I, you know, I I don't want to, you know, we don't need to beat the the the, the Brady horse, but um, but Brady's statistics his last five years of his playing, people some people looked at it and said, oh, he has you know one of the highest percentages of non catchable passes of anybody in the league, and I'm like, well, yeah, but he's doing it on purpose because he knows he can't he can't there's no play right, and so he's going to throw it at the guy's feet. So it doesn't get intercepted and maybe, maybe he'll come up with it. Right. But you know, he, he was like, live to play another down. Right. And, and boy, how many quarterbacks would be well served to take that mantra to just let's live to play another down because you know, they just, uh, sometimes they didn't, but yeah, I, boy, man, I, the, I, I'm, I've never been a big chiefs fan, but I'm telling you, I'm impressed with the chiefs this year and I'm impressed with them because, because, they have, you're seeing experience, you're seeing character, you're seeing swagger, you're seeing we've been here before, we know how to win. We know how to win in the playoffs because this playoffs Chiefs team is not the, the Chiefs team of the regular season. But I will say this, the reality is the Chiefs really only had two drives in this game. Their, right. first, two drive, their first two drives, they scored touchdowns. The drive they got the field goal on at the end of the half, they got 30 yards and penalties, <laughs> you know, to, to get them down the field. And then in the second half, they didn't do anything. Right. So I do feel like coming up, and we're going to talk about the Niners here in a minute, they're going to need to be better on offense to beat the Niners. Because I don't think 17, I don't think you're holding the, I don't think you're holding the Niners to 14 points. Yeah, no. not not in many worlds that I've seen. But uh, I mean, Andy Reid has two weeks to scout, figure out what he's going to do. And Andy Reid yeah. is a great coach. Yeah, and can get the team prepared and ready, however that's going to look. But then it's going to come down to actually playing the game. Yeah. You know, you can script you can script the first two three drives, and then after yeah. that, you're playing chess. Yeah. So, and 
Pacheco's running the ball well. Um, but, and Kelsey, I mean, look, 11 for 11, that was phenomenal, right? But I, and, and Rashi Rice has developed into a solid, you know, wide receiver. I don't know. I, you know, it's been the same question all year. I don't know that it's enough, but I'll tell you right now, it's, boy, it's hard to pick against Mahomes right now because that guy, he's finding ways to do it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I could be a right. homer. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. You could. Um, but they're going to have to go up against a 49ers team that <clears throat> has been great all year. And, oh, I don't, I don't want to say they got lucky yesterday, but they did get lucky. Past there, two was games. Some lucky there were some lucky plays, but, um, but they showed a lot to come back and win that game yesterday. Yeah. Right. However, you know, you kick two field goals, um, you <laughs> or you should instead of going for it on fourth. Now I know yeah, he's saying he's saying that he's, you know, I would have done the same thing no matter what. Like I'm not regretting the decision to go for it on fourth down and not getting it. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take the points, man, and that's my takeaway from this game. There was the 49ers did show a lot in coming yep. back and they've got some yep. great players. McCaffrey played well, except for when he got hurt at the end. And then Elijah yep. Mitchell comes in and gets his one carry for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you still have Debo. You still have Brandon. Ayuk, George yep. Kittle. And the, that defense yep. is still, still really, really good. I will say the Niners defense is really good, but their biggest weakness is the passing game. Yeah. And so we'll get to see how that plays into uh, Kansas City's offense, yeah. right? But yeah. what did you see in that Lions uh, Niners game that really, really stood out to you? Well, I I do want to go to the coaching, right? And and I will say this much: and Dan Campbell was true to Dan Campbell in this game, except for the one time he wasn't. And this is the only thing that gets me, right? I mean, so it was. Boy, was it. Was it seven nothing? Was it fourteen nothing? When the Lions got that early turnover, right, and they had a chance to either go up twenty one seven or was it, or maybe even twenty one nothing, and they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it, right, and then the Niners came back and and got their uh, you know their field their touchdown in the first half, but at the end of the first half, the Lions are fourth and three at the three yard line, and you watched Dan Campbell wrestle with it and wrestle with it and wrestle with it because it's 21-7 and he's like mm. and at that moment Dan Campbell said I'm taking the three points I'm going to go up 17 I'm going to go up three scores not Dan Campbell like but he t- he made the smart play second half starts Niners come out have a decent drive kick a field goal Lions get the ball back they keep looking like the Lions they're driving down the field and all of a sudden, with seven and a half minutes to go in the third quarter, that three-score, 17-point lead somehow wasn't good enough. But it was good enough at the end of the first half. And that's the one that gets me, right? Had he gone for it at the end of the first half, gone for the touchdown, I would have said, well, I mean, he did it every time. But he didn't do it every time in this game. And I just think, I think two things in particular about it. Number one, when they go for it on fourth down and they don't get it, it fires up the Niners defense, right? We got the stop. We made the play. 
I mean, you're still up 14, so okay. But had they kicked the field goal there, and assuming they made it, right, which is an, it's an if, but had they made the field goal, that same level of, I mean, okay, we kept them out of the end zone, but oh, we're, down, we're down three scores again. I think the mindset is completely different, right? And it was, what, three plays later where that crazy, the crazy fluke play happens, right, which might have happened the next drive anyway. But I, I really just think that whole flipping momentum, and then, of course, the, you know, the next play, the fumble. Right, and so it just it just snowballed, and it got away from them. But to just oh, and then of course to not take the tie later in the game, and that I mean that cost them the game, right? Because they they come down at the end, they're able to drive down the field again. I I, uh, I don't know, and I respect Dan Campbell tremendously. Anybody who doesn't hasn't paid attention to football, but right. like, to your point, sometimes. You just take the points, and I don't know. I, I mean, they're not going to fire him because of it, right? I mean, he's built the best team Detroit's had in fifty years, right? But boy, I just I don't know why it was good enough to go up seventeen at the end of the first half, but somehow not good enough to go up seventeen with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And I think if he did it, I think they win the game. I think they win the game. Right. And I, I agree with you. And I do think that momentum changed it all. Yeah. You know, when you get stops on downs, that does fire up a defense. It does make them go, oh, we got this now. We're back in this game. Mm-hmm. It didn't go from a two-score game to a three-score game. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, even a field goal, defensively, it's like, hey, they didn't score a touchdown. But, man, it would have been nice to, to not get them any points. And even on offense, you're like, hey, we didn't get a touchdown, but we got some points on the board. And that's really what the game is about. You got to get those points on the board. So that coin got flipped real quick on one decision, ultimately two decisions. But the the big one, I think, was the one in the seven and a half minute mark of the third quarter. Because that's not because that's not a nail in the coffin play. Right. That first down, there's not the nail in the coffin. If it were. If it were, if you're up 14 with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, right, and you get that first down, and you take another three minutes off the clock, you, you know, that's that dagger in the heart. Seven minutes to go in the third quarter, seven up 17. It's not a dagger in the heart, but it's boy, it's a big obstacle, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And and I, man, I wanted the Lions to win. I mean, I used to hate the Niners when I was a kid. I don't hate the Niners anymore. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the Niners, but I respect the, what what the what the Niners are. They're a great They're fun, fun to, team watch. to watch. They are a fun yeah. team to watch. And um, but so are the Lions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like. yeah. And I'll tell you what that Lions that Lions team has got a young core. They're going to be, I mean, you know, I don't know. Barring some something really unforeseen, they're going to be around for a few years. Yeah. I saw the crazy stat that I saw before the game started was that. Aiden Hutchinson had eight sacks in a four-game stretch. Yeah. That dude, he is phenomenal. (laughs) That is is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. But I also did see a George Kittle block that took Aiden Hutchinson to the ground. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, hey, look, nobody's good every play, right? But anyway. No, I get it. I get it. So give me your prediction. Super Bowl, who you you got? (sighs) I'm going to say it's the Niners. I just think that they have too much 
um, to go up against. I mean, if you want to go player for player, right? Mahomes is better than Purdy, right? McCaffrey is better than Pacheco. Um, I think Kelsey's better than Kittle, but Kittle is still top three, right? Top three or four, whatever. Then it comes down to like some receiving after that. You know, you've got Debo who plays every position. You might as well put him at, you know, punt returner and anything else. (laughs) Um, Brandon Ayuk, who is a top tier wide receiver as well. You've got Jennings, who's actually pretty good too. Um, Elijah Mitchell isn't a terrible running back. Um, So I think it's going to come down to some of those other guys. But at the end of the day, ah, Mahomes, man, (laughs) it's going to be, (laughs) it's going to be tough. If you remember the Super Bowl, what, three years ago, right? The Chiefs and the Niners and... The difference in the game was Tyreek Hill, right? And that play where Mahomes just dropped back 28 yards and just chucked it, right? And and it was and and that's what the Chiefs don't have. And so I think for the Chiefs to win this game, number one, their defense has to play even more lights out than they did against the Ravens, right? Right. They have to be totally lights out because because I don't see I don't see the Niners playing as poorly on offense as the Ravens did. But Andy Reid is just going to have to scheme a perfect offensive game because they don't have the talent. They don't have the talent. They've got Kelsey, who's a a matchup nightmare, right? But I don't know, Fred Warner and that linebacking team, that linebacking core, and the secondary and safeties. I mean, Greenlaw, Bosa. I mean, yeah. they've got I, more guys defensively. And, that... I mean, and then the only other player you really have to scheme for and play at all on the Chiefs is Rashi Rice, right? And then don't let their three and four wide receivers beat you, which they haven't all year long. So, And even if they do, they still got to catch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Scantling, man. Valdez Scantling. Yeah, he got one. Big. He got one. He did. He, yeah. he came up big yeah. on that one. But yeah. but here's the other thing, too, is that the Chiefs' defense this past week made the Ravens one-dimensional. Like, they took away what Lamar was good at. You can't focus solely on the Niners and make them just that one-dimensional because they have so many pieces that can work yeah. against you that yeah. if you take one away – They'll just go the other route and be perfectly yeah. fine with it. So that's going to be interesting to see. But here, here's what the Ravens did, and and I I, I just want to. John Harbaugh comes out beginning of the second half. Well, we need to establish the run, Mike Harbaugh. You only ran the ball five times in the first half. I mean, Lamar had three runs, right? But none of those were called runs that I that I remember in the first half. His running backs only had five carries in the first half. Other than that, I'm like, establish the run. Why don't you call a run play? You know, right? At which, I yeah, I don't know. I the Ravens didn't. They didn't play a good game, but anyway, yeah, I think I, I think I got the Niners in this one too. I think, I think they're going to do it, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. NFL coming to the end, but hey, this weekend we got the Pro Bowl games, which should just be called the D four games. I think basically that's what we got going now. Absolutely.
listeners, especially again, shout out to Alice. We're thinking about you. Looking forward to seeing you here at home when you uh, when you get here. But uh, uh, last call. Uh, um, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off uh, one of my one of my favorites, Wally the Alligator. And uh, for those of you who don't remember Wally the Alligator, you, you can go back and you check out some of our earlier episodes where, you know, the, the emotional support alligator was not allowed into the Phillies game. And, uh, you know, shame on you, Phillies. So the Flyers, of course, let him in later. Well, Wally the Alligator's been a little quiet uh, since, you know, last fall. Although I did check in, and Dustin, Wally the Alligator has 25,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> that's about 25,000 more than we do. Yeah, it, it is. That's yeah. It's uh we're trailing we're trailing the reptiles, which I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. But uh good news is that he is set to make an appearance at a Mardi Gras party on February the 11th. So Super Bowl Sunday, though not at the well, wouldn't it be Taylor Swift and Wally the Alligator? That's what we need. That's the Super Bowl halftime we need is Taylor Swift and Wally the Alligator. I don't think we're going to get it, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we won't. And if we do, we got to get Allie on the show to talk about that. Yeah, well, ab- uh, unquestionably. Um, but he is... Uh, but yeah, Wally, uh, Wally the Alligator is set to make a, a an appearance at a, uh, a Mardi Gras party in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, oh uh, Dustin, I, I know you, a uh, big uh, you know, streamer, uh, as, as we all are, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, Netflix is always great, but, uh, it strikes me that Netflix and chill is going to take on a slightly different meaning next year because the WWE and Netflix are partnering to stream WWE raw on Netflix in 2025. And my question to you, Dustin is, are you watching no, I don't know if I'll be Netflixing and chilling raw. <laughs> I mean, you never know, right? <laughs> Family friendly. Yeah, well, uh, okay. Maybe Snoop but, Dogg will host. <laughs> and Martha Stewart. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's a tough one, man. I, don't, I, I remember you know watching the WWE, WWF back in the day. Um, we, we were fans, uh, friends in high school and junior high, whatever we'd watch for fun and, and just go with it. But Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, nah, <laughs> Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, man, the wolf pack. I could keep going, man. Oh, keep oh going. give me a couple more. Give me a couple more. Who were your guys? Who were your guys? Man, I like Rowdy, Rowdy, uh, ultimate yeah. warrior. I was a big fan of oh, ultimate warrior. Yeah, yeah. Sure, um, sure. you know, the undertaker I'm, and, and there's two different here that I'm going with. There's WWE, WWF on, on right. different ones that I saw. And, and, um, and Jake, pardon, Jake me, the Snake. pardon me if some of the subtle distinctions are lost on me because I, okay. uh, I, I, I'm not really sure what the difference in the two is, but you know, yeah. let it be. Hacksaw, Jim Duggins. Oh, Hacksaw. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, God, there was, there's a lot out there and you, uh, you got the big names. Um, Rey Mysterio was one I love to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. I know you have no clue who that is, but he was just a little I don't know guy. Who that one is yeah. Always wore the mask. Nobody ever knew what he looked like. Oh, yeah. um, Undertaker was always good. Uh, Sting. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you about the time when I went with my brother, and so my brother kind of hosted or coordinated a golf tournament 
up in uh, up near near Vegas. This was in like uh, not Kingman, but Lake Havasu City uh, up there in you know the corner of Nevada and California. And we and we we stayed at a casino hotel, and then we went out and played like you know five rounds of golf and stuff. But we were at this hotel, and they had a huge luchadores meet like match. I don't know what you call it, right? But and right. at the hotel that that night, and and like literally everybody comes, people come streaming in, and they're wearing the masks and they're wearing the costumes, and I. I really, really wanted to go in and get my luchadores on, but I, uh, I did not. But I, I kind of regret not going. But, you you uh, should have absolutely. That have been a D four moment. That well, you know, yeah. Before before D four was a thing. That one, yeah. I got one more for you, and and this is uh, I, I want to know if you think. Well, <laughs> no, I don't know. <clears throat> so you know, who Katie Ledecky is. Swimmer, right? I do. Yes, yeah. I do know who Olympic Katie champion Ledecky swimmer, is. great swimmer. Well, there's a video out there of her swimming an entire lap with a glass of milk on her head. She's balancing a glass of milk on her head as she swims an entire lap freestyle and doesn't spill a drop of the milk. Gets to the end and takes a drink. And my question for you. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> I won't even ask if you think you could do that. Do you think you could at all balance Swim a glass a lap? of milk? A- no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, you win. You win. But no, I was thinking, do you believe that you could actually balance a glass of milk on your head at all for any length of time? I, I don't think so for two reasons. My head is probably a little bumpier than most and two i have a shaved head and so there are probably like chia pet patches on my head that you know would (laughs) skew the stubble and the the milk glass and everything um i I do think that i might be able to like get a like a a glass cup with a piece of paper in it to make it look like it's milk oh without spilling the milk and then like tape it to your head or something. <laughs> that's right. That's see, right. See, I don't have to worry about shaving the top of my head in order to get that, you know, that robust g- glow or glare as some might call it. But, right. um, right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I don't think I could balance a glass of milk on my head and, and move. I mean, maybe if I were standing absolutely still, you know, maybe <laughs> not for very long, but uh, it's, it kind of reminded me, you remember that Roger Federer commercial where he like hit the serve and he hit the Coke can off the guy's head. Did you ever see that? Um, yeah. which was faked of course. I mean, it was a total, but I mean, it was one of the coolest commercials you'll ever see. If you've never seen that one, go Google Roger Federer hitting the soda can off the guy's head with the serve. But, uh, yeah, I don't even think this was fake. I think she actually did it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, but I you know what? Know. That's Katie Ledecky, Olympian and D4 icon. I mean, the only thing better is if it were a pint or, you know, a, a martini. So that's kind of where I was going to go with this. One of my best <laughs> drinking stories, and I'm going to make it real quick. Sitting on the back of a golf cart, and I had a beer, oh. an open can of beer. Yeah. 
and sitting on the back, we're all sitting there talking. I take my hands off the the back of the cart because we're just stopped. Don't think we're going. My buddy decides to step on the gas without telling me that we're going somewhere. And I literally fly off the Mm. back of the golf cart, hit the ground. I had road rash on my elbow for a couple weeks. I spun three times and I laid there. And the first thing I do, I was like an outfielder, (laughs) you know, that catches a ball and sticks their glove up. Right. I laid there and the first thing I did is I just held up my glass and still had a a drink in it. Not Not a drop. drop. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's my my, uh, D4 Katie Ledecky story. Yeah, there you go. That's D4 to the core. D4 to the core. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. If you stuck with us this long, we appreciate it. We'll be back here soon. We're going to drop a couple episodes this week to kind of make up for some lost time. But uh, Alice... We're welcoming you. Grandpa Papa Don says, let's go. I mean, it's time for you to come home and join the family. Dustin. And I do I do think you need to call it Oompa or Epa. I think I think that'll no, be good. So we should end there. <laughs> we should end there. We should end there. We'll go Papa Don. Don and Dustin, D4 Sports. Out. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.